When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Picture this. It's the 1980s. And the most feared man in America is from Brownsville, New York. His name is Iron Mike Tyson. Now scratch that. Picture this. It's the 1990s. And the most feared man in America is named Iron Mike Tyson. You know, no, no, wait, hold on. Picture this. It's the 2000s, and the most feared man. You get the idea. There were three black men who ruled the world during this time. It was Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, and it was Mike Tyson. And everybody wanted to be Mike. The only question was, which Mike do you want to be? <laughs> Mike Tyson, as you've never seen him before, in this one-of-a-kind ABC News docuseries, Mike Tyson, The Knockout, The Climb, the crash, and the comeback of his boxing career. The man who was undisputed at world heavyweight champion from 1987 to 1990, his first win at 20, making him the youngest fighter to hold the title. You're going to hear from people like actress Rosie Perez, the first lady of boxing. Mike Tyson was called the baddest man on the planet because he was the baddest man on the planet. The four-hour series is also going to take a look into his personal life, which has been riddled with controversy. If you are a lover of this podcast, you are a lover of storytelling. You definitely don't want to miss ABC News's Mike Tyson, The Knockout. Boom. Welcome to Mike Tyson's world. The staggering documentary event premieres Tuesday night, May 25th on ABC and next day on Hulu. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wozni Lambray, joined as always by my partner on the west side of Los Angeles. He's got a wonderful tan as usual, y'all. Nando Vila, what's going <laughs> on, man? That's just that's just anti-Hispanic slurs that you're mm, throwing at me. Mm. So should I say olive like, skin? Yeah. <laughs> or sun-kissed? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on today's show, man, honestly, there's nothing really more important um, going on in the world right now, specifically when you consider the U.S.'s role in everything that's happening between Israel and Palestine and the atrocities being carried out on the Gaza Strip right now. Uh, I know we had Noah on last week and he so thoroughly broke down the conflict and its core components like... People still hitting my line about that. Uh, but, you know, we wanted to still carry on today just to add some some thoughts about what's happened in the past week, Nando. I know for me, uh, I think what's been interesting, and I talked about this on Twitch yesterday, uh, is that I see New York Times reporting that Joe Biden hit BB Netanyahu and behind the closed doors, he's trying to play good cop because he's like, look, man, we don't have the freaking public will that we used to have. 
for carrying out this stuff on behalf of y'all. And like the Dems in Congress is just like way more adversarial to you guys and your cause than they used to, right? Like it's not just universal support amongst my party members. You know, of course, BB, I still love you, you know. But the Dems, it's, it's, I, I think it's interesting the sort of posture and the tact that's being taken throughout the press of just like, I don't know if we could do it like this anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's been, that's been an interesting dynamic um, because I think this time it is different, right? It, it, it's being it processed different. differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels different. It's being processed differently. I mean, for one thing, the last time there was a big violence in that part of the world was 2014. And I think like the social media aspect of it was not as mature back then. And it, and it hadn't kind of taken over regular media. I mean, I feel like, you know, regular media now is kind of very much uh, filtered through social media in a way that it wasn't back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you see uh, these images on social media of, you know, a 10 year old girl just, begging them to stop bombing her and her family. And it's like, you know, no one can just be like, uh, this is okay. Um, You know, back then it was much easier to suppress that kind of image. And, you know, the media did all the time. Um, The other thing that's different is that in general, the Democratic Party base, um, especially its younger base, there's a big generational divide, is just much more left wing than, uh, than it used to be. And that's for a variety of reasons. But once you are... Kind of on the left, you realize like, yo, this Israel, you know, it's not okay what they're doing. <laughs> right. And then the, the other thing that's different is just that the the nature of the occupation um, of Palestine by Israel has gotten to a point like it's not been this exact way for that long, right? That this is the the sort of status quo that we're seeing now of like, you know, just full absolute blockade of Gaza, which is just basically just become an open air prison. Like that wasn't the case in the 1990s. I mean, it sucked, but it wasn't like, it wasn't as, um, you know, punitive, like yeah, punitive as it is now. So it's just be, those things that just make it made it all more untenable. I mean, obviously Joe Biden and the United States has given, you know, Bibi Netanyahu like the green light to ultimately do whatever they want. Um, but he's like, he's asking him like, yo, it'd be nice if you de-escalated. But the problem is, like, as Noah explained last week, BB uh, needs to do this to shore up his right flank. I mean, that's the thing is like the politics of Israel um, have become incredibly conservative, like incredibly right wing, especially on this issue. And like, there is no real opposition. There's either apathy, you know, <laughs> people who like who just don't give a shit or people who are just like absolutely um invested in this kind of in this kind of so yes so so you're saying there's no there's no counterweight with amongst the israeli population as far as people who are staunchly against you know the air raids um carried out in the gaza strip like nobody's like super against it there are people who are extremely for it but there's nobody on the other side who's just like guys we can't do this we have to stop doing this most people like man Eh. There's, there's, to be fair, there's like, you know, there's uh, NGOs and human rights organizations within Israel, like Israeli ones who are, you know, activists and, and against this kind of thing. Um, but there is no real political formation gotcha. that is, you know, there is no viable kind of party um, that advocates for a, a, a different type of 
uh, approach to the Palestinian question. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's Netanyahu on like the extreme far right. There's people even to his right, you know, who he has to kind of placate all the time to in order to form his own government. And then there's Benny Gantz, who is his defense minister, who like, you know, is a part of a different party and it's part of like the power sharing agreement or whatever they have in the parliament, who believes all this, like, you know, he believes all the same shit, you know, for the most part. Um, so there is no, and, and for there people is no to give it, get an understanding. It's like, you know, we've seen the libs going crazy this week about Roe v. Wade, right? Um, the, like it's clear and obvious what the Dems are about. Like they're pro choice, right? Like they're going to rhetorically, they're going to do it. They're going to vote against anything that is anti-choice. They're going to like, it's clear where they stand on this. It's directly in opposition to what the other side of that argument is. Like it's clearly directly in opposition to that. Whereas in Israel, there is no direct opposition to how they do their business in Gaza with the airstrikes. Yeah, no, uh, there just, there just isn't. And I think a lot of people, you know, who may have been um, kind of more advocating for a different type of policy uh, towards Palestinians just feel helpless and have just kind of given up. I think that they just feel like, you know, my life is relatively comfortable. Um, you know, life in Israel, Israel's like, you know, it's kind of like a modern country, you know, like it's a, uh, you know, you could, you see all the same shit you see here, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of modern comforts and shit like that. Um, and uh, I think a lot of them are just like, you know, I live in comfort. Um, we tried. Um, we couldn't find a way. We tried to do the peace process. We pushed, you know, from our side to like, you know, tamp down the worst excesses of our militaristic wing. It didn't work out. I, there's no real options for me, um, you know, politically. So what am I going to do? I think there's like a lot of that going on as well. How, man, I'm because, man, it's, it's, it's been kind of revelatory because I don't think in 2014 I no, I can say I didn't give a shit about any of this, right? <laughs> like I, I was not paying attention to this stuff in any meaningful way in 2014. And I don't think the nature of social media was such that people felt compelled to be overtly political on social in this way yeah. in 2014. I guess a lot of ways this is the sort of, and I know people get mad at this, but it is the virtue signal era after Trump. Like yeah. after 2016, people felt yeah. like there was a line in the sand and you had to sort of show that you were on a certain side. And now people have been socialized and taught to express themselves politically via social media. Right. So in 2014, I didn't notice a lot of this stuff happening. But the past week, man, I've, I've noticed one. I mean, Jewish people I know. Or Israeli people I know, like it's a lot. <laughs> and like people are straight up like, yo, I'm going to weigh in on this. I want to make it known where I stand as a Jewish person. Um, I, I, maybe it was happening in 2014 and I didn't notice it, but I'm definitely a lot more conscious of it. And, you know, I'm, I don't make judgments here or there, right? Like once Noah basically, you know, Explain to me that being pro-Israel is part of how you express your Jewish identity for a lot of people. I thought about like what it means for people to be black, right? Like, you know, I talked about Farrakhan the other day. I was like, being pro-Farrakhan is is similar to that, you know, which is ironic because Farrakhan is seen as this anti-Semite. But like 
being pro Farrakhan is a way that a lot of black people express their blackness. Like I'm this type yeah. of person. I fuck with the nation of Islam and their message of black upliftment, X, Y, and Z. I don't care about anti-Semitism. That doesn't register for me because how I'm expressing my blackness is through my affinity for this guy. Right. And so I'm, you know, so because Noah, like that, that was something that I've never been conscious of. Right. Like this idea of how you express your Jewishness, um, seeing people who I know in different contexts sort of weigh in and give it their version of it. Right. Like I seen somebody I know post a post from somebody who I don't even think was Jewish, but the post was basically, and it was, I'm not going to lie. It was some liberal centrist bullshit of basically like, I stand with Israel. You know, I stand with the only democratic free nation in that part of the world. <laughs> However, I also stand with the Palestinians and I think they should be respected and loved and blind. Like, you know, the Palestinians are people. I don't, however, stand with Hamas and their tactics and blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, this is such liberal dreck. Like this is, but you know, again, this is how people, because people are trying to sort of thread a needle, right? Because of what I just mentioned, like just again, the idea that, yo, if this is how people express it, people feel like they have to express their Jewishness um, is through support for the state, and this government killing machine apparatus, um, then can you really, like, you know, people are trying to thread a needle is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, part of what liberal, what, part of the disease of liberalism is this <laughs> idea that you don't have to make hard choices. Right, you know that, right, like, right. You know, we just love you just, everything and everybody. You know, like, yeah. Everybody's great. Uh, we know, love the, it, Nando. Everything is great. Yeah, you know, and uh, the problem with that kind of tack is like, you know, it, it ignores the realities on the ground, which is that Israel as a nation is a very young country, you know, like a, it's started in, in, in the 1940s after World War II. Um, and the, the, the fact of the matter is there were people living there who were then all of a sudden put under the dominion of a, a Jewish state, you know, and they were not Jewish and they were forced to live in this kind of situation where they were either forced to live that way or expelled and 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 to to the to the, out, the outside provinces. So, um, you know, th that that kind of original theft, you know, of 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 these people's lands and things like that, it just makes it. It makes this idea of like, well, we could all just why don't we why can't we all just get along? It's like, well, no, that that's why that's why this conflict has been. <laughs> So hot. It's because there is a there is a very real uh, grievance at the heart of it from the very beginning. You know, obviously, at this stage of the game, if you are talking about realities of the ground, I mean, I think that's why so many the compromise position was always what it was called the two state solution, which was to recognize that these people ain't never getting their state back. You know, we just have to create a new one for them. You know, but mm. they but these make no mistake, there were people living there. Who all of a sudden had no more? They did. They did had no more control over what they what over their lives and over their their livelihood. They all of a sudden became second class citizens within um, a Jewish state. So, like, I think that that's not recognizing that reality um, and just being like, wait, I, why can't? Why isn't like? Why don't you know? We we can support Israel, but we can also support the Palestinians. 
and we can condemn Hamas. Like that's easy. Why? Why? It's like no. It, there's a reason why. It's not that everyone's just like avoiding the easy thing. No one wants to avoid the easy thing. The thing is that the thing is hard. So, you know, that's what liberals always do, and it's what drives me fucking crazy about them. You know. Yeah, and I think um, there needs to. I, I think I'm glad you said that about the hard choices because I think. It's not hard for me as a non-Jewish person to understand like, yo, I feel a real kinship with the Jewish people who live over there, with Israelis, right? Like they're my fellow Jews. We are descended from a historically oppressed people. I will always feel connected to those people in that way, right? Like, and that's understandable, at the same time, like, why is it so hard to say that I don't think the regime is handling things as well as could possibly be handled? I, I like, I don't see why there has to be this acceptance for what Bibi Netanyahu thinks diplomacy with the Palestinians should look like, which is basically annihilation. Um, and just saying, like, I don't know that I fuck with what Bibi's about. Right. Um, I, I, I just th that tension I don't get because, you know, it, it's funny because when we condemn a lot of times our condemnation of the Dems and the party apparatus can make people like people uneasy because it feels like we're parroting the same talking points as Rush Limbaugh. Um, but, you know, <laughs> and I think I think that's what puts. Jewish people in a in an uncomfortable posture. It's like when you condemn the regime, you're often parroting um, the rhetoric of the biggest anti-Semites, yeah. people who who literally want to see Jewish people exterminated. A lot of times, you're in lockstep rhetorically with those people. So I can understand why it puts. Jewish people, you know, a liberal Jewish person within an awkward sort of crouch where it's like, man, I don't want to do that. But yeah. how else are we supposed to talk about reality? Like, I get the the instinct not to want to be on the side of death to Israel, you know, all of this crazy, hateful speech that you hear from maniacs all the time. But how else are we supposed to talk about the truth? I find it striking that we're seeing Democrats in Congress uh, namely the squad, but even not as radical people like Human Rights Watch, right? Human Rights Watch is a is a organization um, that is nowhere near as kind of, let's say, radical as it sounds. You know, it's, it's kind of an arm of, it's often been used as an arm of the U.S. State Department for soft power and things like that. Like, it's not, it's not some sort of like, you know, they're calling the Israeli state an apartheid state. Um, AOC called the Israeli state an apartheid state. Rashida Tlaib, who is Palestinian and who Joe Biden, uh, did you guys see that? Did you see that picture of, of Rashida Tlaib confronting Joe Biden in the tar the tarmac? No, um, I did not. We to, need to see that. Yeah. She, she, hey, she, throw she that throw that up there for us, Sean. Shouts to producer yeah. Sean, our new producer. Yeah. No, she. So she. If you just look up Joe Biden, Rashida Tlaib, uh, there she. There's like a picture of her kind of confronting him on the tarmac, begging him. They spoke for eight minutes, begging him to, um, you know do something about to stop the Israeli violence and things like that. And then um, in a speech in, in Michigan shortly after, Biden kept on praising Rashid Tlaib, you know, not Rashida. <laughs> he kept on calling her Rashid Tlaib because <laughs> Biden is fucking brain dead. Uh, oh, but, um, yeah. 
<laughs> but I do find it striking that they're using the term apartheid state. Mm. And, you know, which is obviously the state. That's, that's, a, in, that's an inflammatory term, period. It is an inflammatory term because, that, of course, that's what South Africa was, right, for many mm -hmm. years in which. But that is, at the end of the day, the inevitable results of having an an ethno state because what they always said about Israel is that not only does Israel have a right to exist but Israel has to a right to exist as a Jewish state and that's where things get dicey it's like imagine if we said the United States has a right to exist but the United States has a right to exist as a white nation hmm. or insert you know ethnic religious What's identity up? here so, you know what i mean see but that, that's the, and that's where this shit gets complicated because you know, Judaism is obviously a religion, but Jewish is considered both religion and culture slash ethnicity. But, of course, but even but even granting all that shit, like it, it just, imagine if it was a religious or or ethnic uh, or whatever it was. I mean, you know, like right. imagine if the United States has a right to exist as a Christian nation. You would be like, wait, what? You, what? That second part of that sentence is weird. I don't. We, we just, we're not. We're <laughs> some not people, but some people would argue that that's the case. A hundred percent, and that's what's that's horrible. Um, we recognize that as horrible. <laughs> um, or like, you know, if France has a right to exist as a as a white nation, you know, like which mm -hmm. which the French right wing kind of advocates. Whenever you kind of advocate for an ethno nature to your state, ethno religious, whatever whatever it is. Um, it is antithetical to democracy, right? Mm. Because in a democracy, in theory, all that that shit shouldn't matter, um, in terms of the, the makeup of. But the hold on, state. Nando. Hold on, Nando. I can hear Jewish people saying, "Well, isn't that what they do in Saudi? Why can't? How come it's cool for them to do it in Saudi? How come it's cool for them well, to do it in Iran? How come no, it's, it's cool not cool? Okay, <laughs> it's not cool for them to do it anywhere. Uh, but also, right. those countries aren't demo uh, like don't don't also sell themselves as democracies. Mm. You know, like. Mm. Um, you know, like the, the Saudi is a kingdom and it's a totalitarian monarchy, <laughs> hereditary, uh, you know, that's not, you know, of course it is much more, uh, um, kind of coherent in that sense, you know, like what is just fundamentally at odds is a democratic state with an ethnic kind of, uh, ethnic or religious or both, um, kind of denomination as the official power structure. Um, so you know, it's just that's that's I think what the the core of of the problem is, um, and what and th th this is the inevitable outcome of because there's other people there that aren't Jewish, and so if they're not, that's what this is what's happening today, and the kind of violence that is existing within the um, population that is not part of the power. So, like, if you're not Jewish in the Jewish state, um, eventually that state is going to dominate and oppress you because it's just, that's just like a structural thing. It's kind of, it's that's, that's where the, uh, the comparisons to apartheid South Africa come in. Yeah. I mean, but you know, what you would hear is that, well, Nando there, you know, there are Palestinians living in Israel proper and they're doing fantastic. Like we're great. We love the Palestinians here in Israel. I don't, it's just Hamas is just such an asshole actor. Um, the way they behave themselves as far as, you know, bombing us and killing our civilian population and their rhetorical death to the Jews type of death to the pigs and all of this disgusting, unacceptable language, Nando. It's it's just them. 
Yeah, I mean, it, there are. It is true that there are Palestinians living in Israel, but they do not have the full rights that uh, the Jewish people within Israel have. In terms of like what's going to happen or solutions to the crisis, is like you might see uh, a stop to the current bombing campaign. You uh, that's probably going to happen after a while, and yes, but the a solution to the central problem of a group of people, i.e. the Palestinians, who live in essentially under military occupation, both in Gaza and in the West Bank, and increasingly um, Israeli Jews settling more and more in the West Bank to displace them, essentially. Um, I don't see a, a, a near-term solution, but it's it's one of those things where the status quo is untenable, because even for Israel, like just this, this kind of hyper-militarization um, is is probably untenable for most Israeli Jews, but like the 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 other, like the other the flip side of that, sort of granting some sort of more rights to Palestinians, like that's completely un, unacceptable to them either. So the situation is kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, because I wonder, I honestly wonder if you know if if you're part of the ruling class of Israel, I mean. Isn't it just like, look, uh, we'll lose a couple of lives here and there, but we're going to continue in the long run to just encroach upon this whole area until it's all ours. Like the slow and steady approach of taking the whole thing over um, seems like it's working in their favor. Yes, people die in the meantime uh, because we don't really care to have a peaceable solution. But like, if you're taking the long view of this, where you're saying like, look, Jewish people are settling the West Bank all the time and displacing more and more Palestinian people. Why would you shift from this course? Yeah, no, it's 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 served Bibi Netanyahu and the Israeli right wing very well. Um, that's just the, the reality of it. I mean, um you know, it, there was talk that Netanyahu talked openly during the Trump administration of just annexing the West Bank fully, just kind of taking, just fully taking it over, which is kind of like what it's kind of the reality on the ground these days. Like it is under kind of military occupation, but like just a full annexation of the West Bank, like it's it's now ours. Like that was uh, a real possibility um, toward the end of the Trump administration. I mean, I guess that the only real change that could happen, it's not going to I don't think it's going to happen in Israel at this point. Um, is if there was a political change in the United States. Um, because the United States does, like everywhere in the world, exert tremendous power. Um, and obviously there's the $4 billion in military aid per year to Israel, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at and definitely very important um, for, you know, these Israeli military industrial complex to continue. Um but just, you know, even even with things like uh, at the United Nations, where the United States, with its permanent seat on the Security Council, blocks every sort of Palestinian resolution, which gets like unanimous votes. Like it's like this this happens like time and time again over the last like 30 or 40 years where like literally every country in the world votes to grant some sort of, uh, you know, new rights for the Palestinians, like some resolution. Um, and it is blocked by two countries, the United States, Israel, obviously, and the United States, which, with, which has a permanent seat on the UN Security Council. And this happened again just this last week, where uh, while the Joe Biden administration was saying, 
you know, we would love a ceasefire. There was a UN resolution, which was un- voted on unanimous, unanimously um, <laughs> to actually enforce a United Nations ceasefire uh, on Israel. And it was blocked by the United States. Um, so the United States not only gives military aid to Israel every year, about th- between three and $4 billion, it's something like, you know, we've given them like $250 billion in the last 30 years, something like that. Um, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, it's the diplomatic cover at the United Nations, you know, to to um, protect Israel's uh, right, quote unquote, to, to oppress exist. the Palestinians. <laughs> to oppress the Palestinians. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, you know, just watching this past week, um, obviously, I think Ilyan Omar is, is courageous. Uh Obviously, this is something that's near and dear to her because it's personal, right? Like she herself is of Palestinian descent. No, Rashida Talib. Excuse me, Rashida Talib. Omar is from sorry. Somalia. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I, I messed that up. I, I pulled the Joe Biden right there. Yeah, um, you did. <laughs> we were just making fun of Joe Biden. <laughs> all those damn Muslims—they're all the same. Um, <laughs> uh yeah it's you know it's encouraging to see the sort of shift you know it doesn't we don't even need to bear mentioning that obviously bernie has been very muscular on the issue in the opposite of just like hey man if they don't shape up we should defund these cats (laughs) straight up stop stop messing with them stop letting them dictate policy to us we're supposed to be the freaking united states government we're allegedly supposed to stand up for freedom and justice for all in all nations everywhere allegedly we can't stand for this and you know just man i really do think it's interesting that the framing of like you know these rockets versus the military power of the israeli government being just like let's stop making this shit equal it's not yeah it's not yeah. on the same plane in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's interesting to see the rhetoric shift. You know, um, I do compare it to the 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 um the stimulus package and how robust it was compared to Barry and what the infrastructure bill is. It's like there's just a different tenor to what these guys do in public rhetorically and what they push legislatively. It's just different. You know, you can say it's just the times changing and them adapting to that, but we do have to acknowledge that things are different. And, you know, I'm, I'll be very interested to see where things go going forward. My prediction is, yeah, there's just going to be a ceasefire and nothing's actually, you know, substantive as far as the policy over there is going to change. But again, just seeing all this rhetoric being in the other direction and public opinion, being in a different direction. Because again, they have to respond to the winds. As much as, you know, DC is corrupt as hell and the moneyed interests ultimately have the biggest say so in who does what, when, and where, uh, they do oftentimes have to respond to what direction the winds are blowing, you yeah. know, as far as the public will. Well, that that's, I think that's been one of Netanyahu's biggest mistakes is that he was so. You know, he he was so partisan within the United States context, like usually Israeli leaders were very were very smart about keeping full bipartisan support for Israel as a very key uh, aspect of their strategy. But Bibi Netanyahu, who was just hysterical over Obama's incredibly light criticisms of whatever Israel did, where he went to like Congress and basically 
basically endorsed Mitt Romney in in the election, which was like, a very bad thing to do. And then when Trump won, he just like threw himself in the threw himself in, into the arms of Trump, uh, which got them some short term wins. You know, like for example, they got the embassy moved to Jerusalem, but it cre- it turned the Israel question, Israel Palestine question, within American politics into a partisan issue. So like Democrats were like, oh, the Israeli guy. Like Democratic voters, I'm talking about, like, oh, the Israeli guy Netanyahu, he loves Trump. Oh, so I hate him now, even though like they would have they would have had no opinion uh, about him in the past. So now it's become a partisan issue, and for, so beyond the sort of leftward trajectory of of a lot of the younger Democratic voters, there's also just a sense that the Israel question has become partisan. And if you're like hardly if you're hardcore pro-Israel, you're a Republican, and we don't like the Republicans. So they've they've that that's that's another reality is that it's become partisan so um yeah i mean but of course joe biden supports it 100 percent. but yeah um. <laughs> uh, as the world turns guys we will try to keep you updated on all of this stuff of course thank you guys as always for listening want to give a big shout out to our new producer sean you guys oh, yeah. will be getting to know him more and more as the show goes on in the short time that he's been doing this with us he's been absolutely killing it of course we miss rob this is not a slight to rob but we love sean now sorry rob he left us so he's slightly like, more handsome than you exactly rob. we like our new yeah. partners sorry you know just a little bit you know sexier a little bit spicier in the bedroom you know things are just yeah. different everything a new thing is always a new thing so we like it um but no yeah. but in all seriousness sean has been killing it for us so we send a big shout out. Thank you to Sean. Uh, make sure you guys become a Patreon at patreon.com backslash count the dings. Every single subscription counts and helps us send you guys this dope ass, amazing ass content. Fernando Vila for producer Sean. I'm Big Wise. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>